Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Up next, The Truth with Lisa Booth, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The White House recently admitted that the Biden administration is identifying quote-unquote problematic posts for Facebook to censor because they contain misinformation. If that doesn't make you concerned, then you're not paying attention. This is The Truth with Lisa Booth. Welcome back to The Truth with Lisa Booth. I'm Lisa Booth, and I've got a great show for you guys this week because my guest is Senator Ron Johnson from the great state of Wisconsin. He was first elected in the Tea Party wave of 2010 and since then has been one of the most outspoken members of the Senate and, as a result, one of the left's favorite targets. Today, I asked Senator Johnson about COVID vaccines, big tech censorship, January 6th, and some of the latest hot-button issues in Congress, as well as some questions about his political career. And with that, I want to welcome Senator Ron Johnson to the show. Senator, thanks so much for joining me on The Truth with Lisa Booth. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling the truth. I, I have to admit, I, it does amaze me that anybody would consider me to be a polarizing figure. Uh, you know, I'm not of this world. I'm, you know, I'm a citizen legislator. I, you know, raised a family, uh, ran a business for 30 years, was involved in my community, uh, serving on boards with the most liberal college professors, the most conservative uh, business people like myself. It, it would never come up. We were just concerned about you know, how, how can we improve education for our children, for example. So I, I'm not bombastic. I don't engage in personal attacks. Uh, but, but I do recognize the fact that uh, the, the U.S. Senate seat that I hold right now is something that the Democrats covet, and their communications arm, the, the mainstream media, uh, would like me gone as well. So, I mean, I understand the source of the attacks. It still is, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't bother me because I know who I am, but it's, it, it is it's depressing, you know, in its reflection on our society and their state of politics. Well, what I find interesting is, Look, you're, you're a very wealthy member of Congress. Congratulations. I'm, I'm trying to get there. No, not in Congress, but, you know, wealthy. So you, you didn't need to run for Congress. You didn't need to run for Senate, but you did. You know, why did you run for Senate in 2010? You've got all this money. You've got all these things you can do. Why the Senate? Well, it really was with the passage of Obamacare on Christmas Eve. You know, my, our first child, our daughter Carrie, was born with a serious congenital heart defect. You know, so the first day of life, uh, she had a procedure called a balloon septostomy to uh, get her down uh, stream where she could have open heart surgery where they re baffle the upper chamber of her heart. So at that point in time, I, I recognized a couple things. Uh, there's a reason they call it medical practice, because it's exactly that. It's practice. Um, 
No two human beings are the same. Uh, you advance medicine through literally trying different techniques, uh, different theories of the case. Uh, but I knew that uh, every, every time the government intrudes in any marketplace, they screw it up. Uh, they've already intruded way too much into our healthcare field, and I, I just didn't want to see, you know, what what technological advancements were occurring in medicine to be snuffed out by government control over over our healthcare system. And then, secondly, at that point in time, we were on 14 trillion dollars in debt, you know, up significantly over just the last you know few years coming into 2010. And you know, we're mortgaging our kids' future. I, you know, I, I feel really bad that uh, I've been here now about 11 years, and we've doubled the debt. Uh, so Obamacare is still in place, and we've doubled the debt. Uh, I, I don't feel like my time here has been uh, particularly successful. How's your daughter doing? She's great. She's uh, 37 years old. Uh, she has, she's given us two grandchildren. Um, she's actually a nurse practitioner herself, involved in all kinds of things. So you know, hers is a, ours is a incredibly uh, happy ending story here. It doesn't always end that happy. Well, it's beautiful. I'm glad to hear that about your daughter. You know, and you talked about, you know, you ran in the 2010 midterm elections. There was this huge Tea Party wave, this very much, you know, anti-government sentiment. You know, we're, we're seeing government in a way that maybe we have never seen in our lifetimes or, or maybe not ever in the history of this country in terms of the abuse of power from government. Do you think we'll see something in the 2022 midterm elections akin to the 2010 midterm elections? I, I hope and pray that we do. Uh, you know, one of my messages as I travel around the state of Wisconsin is I am pointing out that uh, a real blind spot. Uh, from a standpoint of uh, conservatives, is the fact that, you know, we, we were so concerned, the New Deal and then the Great Society, you know, as big government just busted out of the constraints of the Constitution and, and have gone way beyond the enumerated powers, you know, conservatives pushed back on that. And we, so we really concentrated all our efforts on what can we do to rein the federal government, and we completely lost focus, and I would say in many cases lost touch with the, particularly local government. Um, and let's face it, it's, it's local government, uh, school boards, county boards, um, city councils that, you know, still, as, as was the vision of our founding fathers, government close to the governed, has a great deal of influence in our lives. And we're certainly seeing that with things like critical race theory. Uh, I keep reminding Republicans, conservatives uh, in Wisconsin, listen, if you don't want critical race theory taught to your children here in Wisconsin, you can end it. You know, go to school board meetings, demand that the school board take critical race theory out of the curriculum. And then even better yet, because an awful lot of radical leftists are on those school boards, replace them, run for office yourself. And so, uh, I mean, I'm hoping conservatives are are waking up to the fact that, uh, you know, President Obama, we used to ridicule him as being a community organizer, right? Well, uh, that community organizing, that relentlessness on the part of the left you know, Saul Linsky, the, the, the fact that the, the radical left took over our university systems during the Vietnam War protests. Uh, they control colleges of education. They control colleges of journalism. They control our culture. I'm actually amazed that uh, their devious plans haven't come to fruition sooner than uh, they have. But they're coming together right now, and that's why this is such a perilous moment for our nation. So, yeah, I, I hope 2022 is a significant pushback uh, now that more Americans are kind of recognizing that uh, Joe Biden is no moderate, uh, the Democrat Party, I don't think they have a moderate left in it. Um, they, are, they are radical. And you know, I'll leave on this note, too, because I, I say this a lot. Um, do you even like, much less love something you want to fundamentally transform? The, the analogy I use, I wake up in the morning, you look over my wife, Jane, and say, Jane, I love you. Now I'm going to change everything about you. Uh, that wouldn't go over too well. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, so, but, but that is, and again, I get accused of saying Democrats don't love this country. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying they are electing leaders. The leaders of their party, the leaders of their movements don't like this country. It's obvious. You don't like something you want to fundamentally transform. I mean, they disdain so much that is America. You know, whereas conservatives, uh, we, we fervently love this country. We know what made it great. In individual liberty uh, and that freedom so that we can dream and aspire 
and build and create this, this marvel we call America. We, we get that. We understand that. We, we know we're not perfect, but we know that in the span of human history, this really is, this country that we call America is something incredibly rare, incredibly precious, and something that we want, we want to do everything in our power to preserve it, to save it, to, to make sure that it not only survives, but thrives for future generations. I mean, that's so, you know, you asked me why Iran 2010, that's why. When I 100% agree with you, but I would also say we need Republicans in Congress to step up. I mean, there aren't a lot of voices screaming about what's happening to some of the fit, the individuals involved in January 6th or raising the alarm, the fact that, you know, there's now recommendation for two-year-olds to wear masks, you know, in, in schools. I mean, just some of the ridiculousness. We're seeing the distortion of their truth, yet there are a lot of Republicans in Congress, not you. You've been standing up, but why haven't we heard more from your colleagues like why won't they step up to the plate we need them you know to a certain extent i'll you know i'll I'll paint with the nicest brush i can it's about priorities um you know when you're a united states senator you're on you know at least three if not four main committees and then you got subcommittees and if you're gonna do a decent job and you concentrate your time on on those issues that are within the jurisdiction of those committees and so you can maybe lose sight of some of the larger national trends, the, the, the larger national stories that, you know, the, the, that the electorate is focusing on. I mean, they're, they're not focusing on committee work. They're, they're focusing on critical race theory. They're, they're focusing on the culture wars. So you, you can get kind of wrapped up in this dysfunctional institution and, and trying to do a good job in, in your committee assignments. Um, you know, the, I suppose a less generous evaluation of that would be the fact that, and I think this this is not any breaking news here, but I always ask crowds, so what do you think the primary motivation of most members of Congress is? You know, in unison, people say, well, to get reelected. So when my colleagues see the roadkill that it probably looks like I am after the media just rakes me over the coals relentlessly, I can certainly understand why somebody would not want to touch some of these issues or say some of the things I say, tell some of the truths that I that I tell, uh, why they wouldn't want to touch out the 10-foot pole. So I got to ask you, are you running again? Haven't made that decision. What, what's going through your mind about it? All kinds of things. Um, I, I want to make sure that this U.S. Senate seat is retained in Republican hands. Um, I mean, you see what the media is doing to me. I, I may not be the best candidate. Um so, I mean, I'm, 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 I wouldn't run if I don't think I could win, if I don't think I was the best person to be able to win. Um, <laughs> you, this probably is a, a, an obscure reference to you, but uh, Bud Grant was the uh, coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He retired, I think, at the age of 55, you know, the kind of the height of his success, uh, even though he'd lost four Super Bowls. Um, but he, but he, he left because he wanted to live a life. Um, this, this, is, this is a incredibly frustrating place here. Um, having come from the private sector, you know, run, run a, a business, a successful business, being able to accomplish things, when you just see the dysfunction that is Washington, D.C., I mean, it's, it, can, it, can be, it can be pretty frustrating. But then at the same time, uh, as I was saying earlier, you understand how rare and precious this country is, and you realize that there are certain truths that had to, have to be spoken. Uh, things that have to be said that if nobody else will say them, uh, maybe that's a role somebody has to play. So there's, there's, you know, Lisa, there's so many things running through my mind, quite honestly. Um, And and the the good news is I have plenty of time to decide. If you remember in 2010, uh, don't expect you to even know this, but uh, I I did not even think about running for the United States Senate until after they passed Obamacare on, on Christmas Eve in 2009. Uh, Finally made my decision to run after having talked to a few people over the months at the very end of April, announced mid-May, and ran about a you know, five, six-month campaign. And that seemed to work out okay. So you know, I think these campaigns are way too long. They spend way too much money. They put way too much money in the pockets of consultants. And it's primarily consultants that are pushing people like me to make decisions right away so you can get out there and start raising all kinds of you know, oodles and oodles of money. Uh, for their benefit, not not for the benefit of the citizens. I mean, pe- people are not in, you know, the, the general public, the electorate is not in campaign mode. 
I understand there's a ton of consideration, but uh, I will say that we do need people like you in Congress, sir. So I'll just leave it at that before moving on. But you, you talked a lot about some of the mistruths that are out there, the distortion of the truth. Uh, we also talk about the heavy hand of government. I mean, the White House recently said that the administration is identifying problematic posts for Facebook, working in conjunction with Facebook to essentially identify who's pushing out misinformation in their eyes and who needs to be censored. Where does this lead? Well, it's an Orwellian present. I mean, this, you know, they are big brother now. Uh, combination of the, the marriage of uh, big tech with big government, and we've, we've got big brother. Uh, it should frighten every American. You know, what, always, what does always amaze me, and this, you know, even conservatives fall in the trap. So I was saying earlier, so many people focus on the federal government. I mean, have you noticed the federal government is awful at solving problems? I mean, they're, they're great at mortgaging your children and grandchildren's future, but they're terrible at solving problems. Uh, now, if they would focus on national defense, securing our border, then the federal government could, could be pretty effective at what it does. But it's not very effective at doing almost anything. And if you just kind of stack up the list of things that have been said about COVID and, you know, the shutdowns and, and just the, you know, Fauci's talking out of both sides of their mouths and covering up their gain-of-function research, why would anybody trust people like that? I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I just I don't quite get it. And so, you know, from my standpoint, we, we are in a, a very perilous time in terms of censorship, the combination of, of uh, media and social media uh, completely cooperating with one party and opposed to the other. Uh, I mean, that, that sets you up a, a one party totalitarian state, which is the direction we're heading in. Quick commercial break and back with Senator Ron Johnson. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
identifying quote unquote misinformation. I mean, what does that even mean? You know, you made the point of the fact that we've seen flip flops from health officials like Dr. Fauci. We've seen uh, we've seen censorship of the lab leak theory that is now being presumed as credible. Uh, just recently, with the CDC director say that vaccinated people do not carry the virus or get sick. Yet we have these House Democrat or these Democrats from Texas who claim to be vaccinated, who have all now tested positive, experiencing you know mild symptoms or some level of symptoms, uh, allegedly. So, I mean, the fact is, what is, quote unquote, misinformation when we've seen this evolving story about COVID? And that lies the problem, because it seems like it's more about just protecting the Biden administration from anything that could be damaging or shutting down any dissent that they don't like that could be damaging to the Biden administration. That's That's what it seems like it's about. Well, it started out politicizing COVID to harm Trump so that they could elect whoever they wanted to elect and end up being Biden. Um, the, you know, as, I'm, I'm 66 years old. As, as far back as I can remember, when you're talking about, you know, getting a medical diagnosis, you've always been told, well, get a second opinion. Again, because it's medical practice. I mean, you know, doctors aren't gods. Uh, they're, they're fallible. Uh, so you go on, you, you seek different medical opinions. During a pandemic in 2021 versus 1918, we had something here that could have been a tool for phenomenal good. The Internet, an open source where these doctors that are grappling with a, a new disease and just not understanding it and putting people on ventilators and it's not helping. And, and so, you know, I saw very early on uh, doctors who would you know, post five, ten-minute posts in terms of what they're seeing and what they're trying, uh, you know, things like corticosteroids. I put Dr. Pierre Corey uh, as a witness in, in my Homeland Security Committee in May of 2020 because his group was t- starting to look at corticosteroids. The, the moment I heard and learned how to produce or pronounce hydroxychloroquine, I thought, well, man, if, if there's an existing drug that is in sufficient supply that we could repurpose that could be effective, whether anti-inflammatory or antiviral or, you know, for whatever. If, if there are drugs like that exist, man, that could be the silver bullet. You could, you could end this pandemic before it even took off. You could stop it in its tracks. And then, you know, you just saw the censorship, uh, the, the pushback on the part of people like Fauci's, even though hydroxychloroquine was, was in his bag of tricks, for coronaviruses, I think back as far back as 2005. I mean, what 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 was happening? Yeah, again, I, I could literally sit here for hours and tell you stories of, of my frustration in trying to push early treatment. Again, I, I'm agnostic in terms of what drug, whether it's hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or cyclosporine or I mean, you know, dexamethasone. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. It's a multi-drug process, is what we're determining right now. But the fact that these healthcare agencies and the Fauci of the world completely ignored that. You know, they did worse than ignore it. There were, there were factions that were sabotaging research trials, not, not allowing research to have independent review boards so they could get their results published. I mean, th- there was some really bad stuff that was happening and, or that happened and that is still happening today. I can't explain it all. Um, but anyway, you, you had this Internet it could have been an exchange, just a flourishing of exchange of different ideas, different theories of the case, different treatments, a free flow of information that we could have honed in on you know, what was working and what wasn't working, but big government didn't allow it to happen. Big tech didn't allow it to happen. They, you know, all of a sudden, you had to toe the line. There was only one opinion that, could, that was legitimate, that, that could be communicated. Anything else was labeled misinformation. And Lisa, I, I have to sadly report that I, I personally believe tens if not hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives that didn't have to lose their lives, had the agencies, had, had media and social media not denigrated these alternate approaches, but allowed the free flow of, of, of information and allowed doctors and patients access to FDA-approved drugs. The doctors have a full right of off-label prescription rights that they really weren't able to exercise because the CDC, the FDA said, nope, didn't encourage it at all. And so hospital associations, doctors, they just wouldn't touch things like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Why is that? 
There are two obvious reasons. One is ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, probably costs some, somewhere around $20 for a treatment. Remdesivir, on the other hand, is over $3,000. And if you look at the VAERS report, 31 years of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, there, there's maybe a couple hundred of VAERS reported deaths. Again, it doesn't prove causation, but I mean, over 31 years, a couple hundred. With remdesivir in you know, around approximately 12 months, a little bit more than 12 months, there's only over 1,000 VAERS reported deaths. You know, you know, associated after somebody's been administered uh, remdesivir. So, I mean, I, I don't get that. But it, so it, it could be the profit motive, but also uh, it may be impossible or at least difficult to get an emergency use authorization on a vaccine if there are effective treatments. Is that what it was all about? I mean, obviously, the Fauci of the world were completely focused on nothing other than a vaccine. Well, and you've recently, you were criticized for holding a roundtable with folks who had adverse reactions to vaccines. What were some of the stories that you heard that you uh, highlighted during that roundtable? And then what was the response to you holding that event? Well, I've been talking about the safety signals that uh, I think VAERS has been screaming at us for months now. And of course, I get attacked and vilified for, for using CDC's own early warning system on safety. And just talking the numbers, always, you know, with the caveat that, you know, these numbers don't prove causation, but they certainly should be looked at. So, I mean, you've got things like death, you've got uh, low platelets, you've got deep vein thrombosis, the clotting. Uh, but I was contacted by an ex-Green Bay Packer a Hall of Famer, Ken Rutgers, and his wife suffered neurological symptoms, you know, a complete, complete numbness in her face, you know, like you just got a Novocaine shot and just never, never comes out of it. Uh, they couldn't get help. I mean, there were no doctors would, would even consider the fact that that might have been caused by the vaccine, although she was per- perfectly healthy, gets the vaccine, and then all of a sudden she's experiencing these symptoms. Well, they started searching for help on the internet, got connected to a couple different Facebook groups totaling around 2,000 people like them. And some of these women, and they're, it was interesting because a very, very high percentage were women. Um, but paralysis, you know, complete loss of legs, loss of bat- bladder control, um, numbness, total numbness from the neck on down. Uh, now, some of them have recovered, but an, another common symptom of neurological harm that they believe is caused by the vaccine, severe inner vibrations. I mean, so severe that two of the women in their group have already committed suicide. They simply can't tolerate it. They don't want to live with that condition anymore. Now, they look perfectly normal. So, you know, we had, you know, little Maddie, 12 years old when she participated in the Pfizer trial of 12 to 15-year-olds. So, obviously, perfectly healthy. Uh, literally within days, she was suffering symptoms. She can't eat now. She has to have a GI tube. She, she is in a wheelchair. Um, you know, these are serious, serious issues here. But she, literally, her doctors were, her parents were one signature away from committing her to a mental ward before they realized exactly what, what the doctors were asking them to do. So they're not being taken seriously by the vast majority of, of people in the healthcare industry because everybody wants the vaccine to succeed. So do I. We want this pandemic over. So no, so very few people are willing to consider there may be some issues with it. And so the CDC, NIH, FDA is not taking him seriously. The, trial, the drug companies aren't at all. I mean, you think, you know, particularly, you know, Maddie who participated in that trial, you know, Dee who, or Bree who uh, participated in the AstraZeneca, you'd think those companies would be standing behind him. They've cast him aside. They don't, they don't want to hear from him. They don't want to hear about problems. And so when I heard their stories uh, in, in about an hour and a half long Zoom call, filled with a lot of tears, you know, they, they were just asking to be seen, heard, and believed. So I, I can't really do anything about the believed part, but I can certainly help them be seen and heard. And so I, I just put on a form in Milwaukee with Ken Rutgers. That, you know, he would draw some attraction as a former Green Bay Packers star. So we had uh, you know, four of the women tell their stories, and the, the mother and then Maddie tell their story. I mean, just they did a great job. They laid it out. I, I don't see how any human being could have been totally sympathetic. I open up to questions and the questions are right away attacking me. It's like, it's like 
it, it, was, it was just an unbelievable reaction. And then, of course, uh, the next day in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I think about a dozen other Wisconsin newspapers, you know, above the fold, front page, my picture with the label fundamentally dangerous. Okay. Um, and, and, and really, and, and let me just conclude on this one. The reason they want to be seen and heard is they're not going to get effective treatment if the medical community isn't even willing to consider that the root cause of their symptoms just might be the vaccine, right? As well as they would like to see other people not be harmed if you can determine some pre-existing conditions. You know, for example, and this is where I got engaged in this debate is, you know, because I had COVID and I was asked by a reporter when we didn't have enough vaccine for everybody, whether or not I've been vaccinated. I said, no, I've, I had COVID. I probably have as good, if not better, immunity than anybody who's going to get vaccinated. And besides, we don't have enough vaccine, so I'll let others get vaccinated first. And of course, I was immediately labeled an anti-vaxxer. Well, and of course, all this gets concerning when, you know, we have this massive push for people to get vaccinated. Biden saying they're going to go door to door. You look at countries like France, they're now mandating vaccines to go out to eat at restaurants and movie theaters. So this all becomes concerning when it starts to become mandatory, when there's any element of risk involved. Americans should be able to have a full understanding, a full assessment of what risks. And then also not every individual in the country is at risk. Either. I mean, if you're not elderly, if you don't have comorbidities, you're not particularly at risk statistically, particularly teenagers and youngers. So it starts to become sort of concerning and obscene for this, there to be this increased pressure for these individuals who don't have a high risk profile of COVID to then be mandated to get any sort of a vaccine. Yeah, listen, listen I, I'm, I'm pro vaccine. I've gotten every flu shot since the swine flu. I'm up to date on all my other vaccines. Um, and I'm big support of Operation Warp Speed. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, 300 million doses have been administered in the vast majority without incident, okay? But it creeps me out that the government is just wanting to push a, a vaccine in everybody's arm, even those people that don't need it. I mean, one thing we know about COVID is it is not uniformly dangerous. It's dangerous if you're elderly. It's dangerous if you have certain comorbidities. But if you're extremely young, if you're a very young child, it's been pretty well established that you ought to be more concerned about the, the flu than you are about COVID. So it is just creeping me out. I tell you, when, when Joe Biden made his first address to the nation and he just he looked in the camera and he just, you know, so fervently, you know, trust Dr. Fauci, you know, trust the federal government. You know, sorry, Uncle Joe, I'm not signing up for that program. I don't trust him. Um, so, no, it's it's creepy. It's creeping me out. Because it's, it's not rational, this push to mass, mass vaccinate everybody, even those that have had COVID or even those that really have very little risk of any kind of serious impact from if they get COVID. It, it, it just doesn't make sense, particularly with a vaccine that is not fully approved. You know, it's under emergency use authorization. And Lisa, you also have to understand, I'm the, I am the champion of right to try. I'm the guy that said that the FDA is too slow in too many cases, and that it ought to be an individual's right. Once you have a drug that's already been approved, it has gone through the safety phase, but it doesn't, it hasn't maybe gone from through phase two or phase three yet, that still should be the patient's right to try that and not have government say, no, you can't even try it. Now, we just flipped that on its head. Now we're saying we, we've got a vaccine that's only gone through phase one, but we're going to make sure that everybody gets in their arm and, and, and we're going to encourage employers to mandate it and colleges to mandate it. You know, throw caution in the wind just in case somebody gets injured. Don't worry about the lawsuits that we're going to you know, certainly support the trial lawyers from uh, uh, filing against you. I mean, it, this is insane what is happening right now. And when things don't make sense to me, I start asking a lot of questions, but I get attacked for being inquisitive. We're not supposed to ask questions anymore. We're just supposed to listen to Fauci, trust big government, trust big media. Don't get a second opinion. There's only one opinion that counts, and it is that of the federal government. You've come to the right place because that's the whole point of my podcast is asking questions that people aren't asking and trying to get to the bottom of some of these critical issues. Do you think we will have vaccine passports in the country? Do you think we're heading in that direction, or is that even plausible? Can the government mandate that? It, it's very plausible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, it, it's probably likely. Um, 
You know, what, you know my, my current short-term goal is to just persuade the FDA and the CDC not to short-circuit the approval process. You know, the phase two, phase three, those are called the observational phases. You have to observe, you know, what, what is it, what's happening with the drug once, once it's been administered, okay? I mean, you have short-term impacts, but you also can have long-term impacts. You can substitute for time in the observational trials. If you want to know what the long-term impact of is, of, is of a drug or vaccine, you need the time to study it. And there's this big push now to get these vaccines approved, you know, by the end of August or wherever people are saying, you know, why? You know, you've got emergency use authorization. Anybody that wants a vaccine can get it. So why this rush? I mean, the, the only conclusion is they want, they want to make it easier for example, for the military to mandate it to, to the finest among us. They, they want to make it easier to, to vaccinate children. I mean, little children. That there's, there's, there's really no benefit for them because there's really no risk of COVID or you know, such an infinitesimal risk of COVID. But, but there, is, there is risk to the vaccine. By the way, by, 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 that's what I just got uh, for Pinocchio's from the Washington Post for saying that, uh, you know, that there's risk to the vaccine. <laughs> there's risk to every vaccine. Well, g- give it six months. That's typically the lag time when people start waking up and realizing the truth. So that, that seems to be the case, whether it's the Russia collusion, you give it a few months, truth comes out, Russia bounties, few months comes out. COVID came from the lab, few months starts, uh, you know, so this, this, this tends to happen. So I, I think a few months down the road, people will start waking up and realizing that uh, they weren't told the full truth. Again, you know, my parents vaccinated makes sense for them. They're higher risk. But we're, we're, we're talking about not everyone has the same risk profile and therefore shouldn't be mandated to get a vaccine they don't need uh, that, again, potentially could end up in side effects. And then secondly, is not uh, uh, fully approved or potentially rushed to prove. But I, I also want to talk about January 6th or. Uh, so the Capitol Police and the DOJ have refused to release something like 14,000 hours of footage. There's a select group of lawmakers that have access to the footage. You and your staff have flagged some interesting parts of the footage happening around the 2.33 p.m. Eastern time uh, mark at the upper West Terrace doors. What did you guys flag and why is that important? Well, I am highly concerned about the unequal administration of justice. Um, we, we've also sent, uh, some of my colleagues and I sent a, a letter to Merrick Garland uh, just asking questions. How, how are you treating uh, the people that breached the Capitol, that committed acts of violence uh, on January 6th versus, you know, the, the summer rioters, you know, where we had $2 billion worth of property damage, well in excess of 500 riots. You know, there were 8,000 protests, but 500-plus riots. Uh, I've seen a figure as high as 2,000 law enforcement officers injured during those riots, a couple dozen people uh, in some way, shape, or form losing their lives during those things, but but we're supposed to forget all that. So I'm highly concerned about the unequal administration of justice. So what what I've asked my staff to do is go review the videotape, because I think it's important that we have a complete reconstruction of what happened outside and inside the the Capitol. You know, I, I... I was the guy that entered J. Michael Waller's uh, very detailed eyewitness account of what he witnessed out on the west side of the Capitol. And you know, you know, J. Michael Waller is a professor of political, uh, uh, not terrorism, political, uh, whatever, but he's, he's a very knowledgeable observer, political warfare. Um, and he's a very knowledgeable observer, went to January 6th just to observe, and he wrote his 14-page account before he listened to any news account. So it's, it's, it's a totally unvarnished. It's just like, this is what I saw. I entered in the record, and, you know, the chairwoman Klobuchar gets out, you know, comes out of the hearing and says, oh, here's Senator Johnson entering conspiracy theories in our, our hearing record right away. J. Michael Waller's account is, is, is standing the test of time here. I, I push back. There, weren't, there were not thousands of armed insurrectionists. There weren't. That, that, that's not what an armed insurrection would look like, okay? So I wanted my, my staff to go take a look at that, and there's no doubt about it. You know, I've seen the repugnant, the repulsive acts of violence, the, the racial slurs. I mean, I condemned it that day. I condemn it repeatedly. But, you know, there, there are a bunch of people that walked into that Capitol, no violence whatsoever, 
Um, again, wasn't smart for them to do that, but they did it. Um, you, you know, my own state capital in Madison, it was overrun by liberals, but that's okay. You, you, can, you can go inside a state capital if you're a liberal and you know, occupy it for days or weeks, and it's not a problem, but boy, you know, don't come into the Ameri to the you know, America's people's house uh, or you're a domestic terrorist. But anyway, so uh, I know it's a long answer to your question, but I had my staff review this footage, and they, they noticed in that, that West Terrace door that uh, somebody first tried to get out that door and couldn't. It was locked. A couple minutes later, uh, Capitol Police directed somebody to leave the Capitol through that door. They opened up the door and more than 300 people streamed in then. Again, no violence, no confrontation, just like the door is open, come on in. Which is a, again, that's a different aspect of the story, a different perspective. It's part of the story that ought to be told. So I have no idea what the legal jeopardy those 300 individuals were in. But, but we've, again, we've also seen just cell phone video of the... the Insurrectionists, I'm, you know, I'm saying that with air quotes, staying within the rope lines in the rotunda. Again, that's, that's not what an armed insurrection would look like. As repugnant as, repugnant as the violence was, particularly what I always call it the uh, inauguration tunnel on the west side of the Capitol, I mean, again, I, I condemn that, but that's not the whole story. There's actually a much bigger story of tens of thousands of protesters that, that were peaceful. That there, you know, of the 800 plus people inside the Capitol, some of them just walked in. Some, some of them behaved themselves. Some of them viewed it as, hey, this is the people's house. I have every right to be here. Okay? Um, but then there were, as J. Michael Wall described, there were some determined groups that uh, were the agitators or the provocateurs. Uh, but, you know, here we are six months later, and like nobody's talking. You know, we don't have access to the, the people that are in the jails. Um, you know, they haven't gone on, tri on trial yet. The, the, the summer protesters, they are all let out on bail or let out without even bail. Uh, boy, if, if you participate in January 6th, you're sitting, you're sitting in the D.C. jail right now, 23 hours a day in your cell. Well, you've got Paul Hodgins, who just uh, received an eight-month sentence, engaged in no violence, but he was wearing a Trump T-shirt and held a Trump flag. So apparently that was enough for them to sentence him to eight months. Did you ever get a response from Attorney General Eric uh, Merrick Garland when you and your colleagues sent him a letter? No. No, and, and, and uh, you know, remember, I, I subpoenaed Christopher Ray and was pretty well stiff-armed by him as well. So, uh Certainly, I write those oversight letters hoping the agencies will respond. Uh, don't hold my breath, but I hope to create some public pressure so that they at least respond to a certain extent uh, to the public. Because I think the public has a right to know what's pulling off in our Justice Department. And, and, and do we even have something close to the equal administration of justice? You take a look at Hunter Biden, you have to say, no, we don't. Well, it also seems odd that you have Congress uh, under the guise of trying to get to the truth, the left uh, wanting to you know, run a January 6th commission, but there's no pressure on getting out those 14,000 hours of footage. You think if your intent was truly to get to the bottom of the truth, wouldn't transparency be the best policy? Well, again, you're assuming that leaders in Congress want to get the truth out. You know, one of the things I keep pointing out, the, the thousands of armed insurrectionists, the, the reason that is pushed so hard, quite honestly, on both sides of the aisle to a certain extent, is that it works well. I mean, it works well for the, the news media who hate Trump supporters. It works well for Democrats who hate Trump supporters. But it also works well for congressional leadership that uh, were responsible for capital security. Um, if, if, if literally the Capitol's overrun by thousands of armed insurrectionists, I mean, no security plan could have possibly contemplated that and it could have been in place to prevent the breach. You know, J. J. Michael Waller, in his expert testimony, or his eyewitness account, he said he strolled up the west side of the Capitol. There wasn't a police person visible. Now, one thing we learned in Kenosha, where, you know, because of Trump's leadership, we snuffed those riots out pretty fast, once the governor finally agreed to uh, let Trump and other people help them, you know, you, you, over, you provide a lot of manpower to a, a dangerous situation, and it doesn't end up being so dangerous. 
You, know, you, you end up not having riots, or you end up not having a breach. So I, I, can't, I can't get an answer to the question I've had where I said, well, I mean, were there, are there like, like pre-planned uh, security postures? I mean, if, you know, so for an inauguration, is this kind of what we always do for a, you know, a Supreme Court vote? I mean, is this what we do for a, a, you know, counting the electoral college votes? Is this what we do? A, you know, joint session? Of co- I mean, you know, are there like a dozen different pre-planned security postures they wouldn't even ask me that question, much less tell me what was planned, uh, what kind of security posture they were in. All I can say is it was completely inadequate based on the circumstances, knowing, that, knowing full well there were going to be tens of thousands of people protesting and protesting outside the Capitol. You'd think we'd have had better and more visible security, but we didn't. So it, it, I, I do have to add, though, the line officers, I mean, the, the, the people... That, that fought the battles. They did an exemplary job of keeping members of Congress safe uh, and, and responding. They were failed by their leadership, by congressional leadership, by not having a plan, not having adequate uh, personnel there present to prevent what never should have happened. The, the Capitol never should have been breached. Quick break, more with Senator Ron Johnson. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Journalist Glenn Greenwald recently tweeted that the reality is liberals want a domestic war on terror. They want the CIA, NSA, and FBI to surveil their political adversaries, arrest them, treat them like terrorists. Uh, January 6th is the key to it. Do you agree with that statement? And is that where this is heading? You know, and I do, and I'll tell you why. As, as chairman of Homeland Security, for the last couple of years, my, my ranking member had been, had been Gary Peters. Now he's chairman of the committee. We would hold our annual threat hearings with Christopher Ray, you know, the head of the you know, National Counterterrorism Center. Um, you know, we, we would hold those hearings. And, of course, I, I'm concerned about cybersecurity. I'm, I'm concerned about EMP and GMD and the unsecured border. You know, I'm, I'm concerned about the things that really represent a threat to this country. And Peter's just want to talk about white supremacism, white supremacists. 
I'm going, again, I, I don't condone white supremacists. You know, I, I want them monitored. I want to make sure that they don't create acts of violence, just like Islamic, Islamist terrorists. But what was this focus for like a couple of years as my ranking member is always about white supremacists? I just, I just, I never understood it. You know, I, I signed a couple of letters with them, you know, trying to get, you know, to what extent is the FBI tracking them. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, keep an eye on these guys, but I, I just don't think this is the, the greatest threat to our democracy. One of the reasons, by the way, I'm, I'm pretty ticked off about the, at the breachers is they've just given the Democrats this ammunition. Okay. So now it's, it's blown up into the greatest threat facing this nation, which I still don't believe, by the way. Um, I know there's certain statistics based on what they consider mass murders. You know, the more of those now are committed by white supremacists than by Islamist, Islamist terrorists. But you're still talking uh, a small number versus what you see murders in the inner city with drug deals and gangs and all that kind of stuff. So, again, it's just so, – so, yes, I agree with Glenn Greenwald. There is this push on the part of Democrats – that's also the, the narrative of thousands of arms insurrectionists. They want to paint a broad brush. The 75 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump are somehow suspected domestic terrorists. That if given a chance, they also would engage in an arms insurrection to overthrow the government. When it's quite honestly, the exact opposite is true. I mean, Trump supporters, conservatives, Tea Party folks, we love this country. We know it's not perfect. We want to preserve it. We want to save it, okay? It's the left that want to fundamentally transform it. They're the ones that want to overthrow the current order and replace it with some utopian vision of a, of a socialist system that will end in, in sorrow, trust me, and totalitarianism and mass murder. That, that's what happens with socialist uh, totalitarian regimes. Well, and the Capitol Police, so they're, they're not subject to FOIA requests, um... They won't release the name of the who shot Ashley Babbitt. They also, along with the DOJ, are not releasing, you know, tens of thousands or fourteen thousand hours of footage. Yet they're expanding field offices to Florida and California. Is that necessary? And why are they doing that? No, it, they should not do it. They ought to concentrate on the mission that they failed at on January sixth, which is providing a, an adequate security and having you know, planned security postures prior to these events. Uh, th- there's no need whatsoever. Now, they're saying, well, there's, the in- there's increased threats against members of Congress. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very unfortunate fact of life. When you serve here, you get threats, okay? But it should be the responsibility of states to provide security for their elected representatives, not some national or federal police force uh, you know, we have enough federal police forces that are surveilling Americans, uh, whether it's the NSA, I mean, surveilling Tucker Carlson or whatever happened to Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, I think we have enough federal intrusion into our lives right now. I, I would much rather leave security of members of Congress up to the states that send them here to Washington, D.C. to represent them. And I talked to Tucker about that last week uh, in the podcast and, you know, fascinating what they're doing to him and also very terrifying as well. Do you, do you think, is it Congress is supposed to rein in the NSA? Is that something that needs to happen when Republicans retain con- or retain power or if they gain back power? Yes. I mean, this is where I'll say, you know, the Mike Lees and the Rand Pauls were, were right and I was wrong on the FISA court. Uh, when, when we were renewing that, you know, we would talk to FISA judges and they'd always say, you know, show me an instance where we've uh, undermined the constitutional rights of one American. And, you know, we couldn't show them anything. So, you know, we kind of felt that these were solid patriots and they're going to follow the law. And, of course, we found out in the corrupt FBI investigation that they didn't follow the law. And, that the, you know, it's cer- certain levels of, of the Justice Department and the FBI is, is thoroughly corrupt. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have to be reined in. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I want to get to the reconciliation before Bill. Before um, you know, I know you got a busy day, but so what do you think? You know, obviously they're allegedly trying to find some bi- bipartisan deal, which is obviously completely bogus. They want to use the reconciliation bill because it means they can do what they want on a party line basis. What do you think 
is going to end up in that reconciliation bill. It looks like potentially amnesty, climate measures to end fossil fuels, which will be devastating to the economy. Also, potentially, you know, one of the largest tax increases in history. What are you hearing that could be in it? And and what do you what do you think? What are your expectations of it? Well, unless uh, Chuck Schumer fires the parliamentarian and and puts in somebody that does exactly his bidding, they they will have a hard time uh, passing through reconciliation some of these policy things that really aren't related to a budget reconciliation dealing with revenue and spending. But the the revenue and spending things will be problematic enough. I mean, they're going to increase people's taxes. They'll, they'll, They'll be taxing exactly what we need more of, which is growth and success. And so we'll get less of it. And then, I mean, they're, they're going to completely out of control spending, and, and they'll do it in a way that is going to dramatically under-account for how much spending they're really passing. So my, my guess is what they'll do is they'll start creating all kinds of new entitlements. Now, they won't call them entitlements. But they'll sunset them after two or three years so that it gets a, very, it gets a much smaller score than an entitlement that's going to continue ad infinitum. Um, so that that would be the game they're they're going to play. I think they did that to a certain extent. The COVID relief package. Uh, so th- that's what Democrats will do. They they will lay in uh, programs that uh, again, receiving government benefits is always popular. Everybody loves getting free money, and so it's almost impossible to uh, repeal once something like that has been set up. So that that would be my guess. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I, I led an effort. Uh, we did a press release uh, last Thursday. I think we had uh, 9, 10, or 11 Republican senators join myself and Rick Scott that led the effort, kind of pushing back on the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. You know, now that we know that uh, Democrats are absolutely dedicated to a, a reconciliation package of about $3.5 trillion, you know, our point, my point's always been, to the extent that you pull infrastructure out of that $3.5 trillion, They'll still pass something that's $3.5 trillion. They'll just backfill it with uh, entitlement programs, with more welfare programs, you know, more, more, more dependency on government. So I don't know why any Republican would support that. Uh, we're all for infrastructure, but there's a really easy way of having a, a fiscally sound approach to spending money on infrastructure, and that would be to repurpose the $700 billion dollars of the partisan $1.9 trillion COVID relief package that doesn't even get spent until 2022 through 2028. Obviously not COVID relief. Uh, That money ought to just be rescinded for that purpose and repurposed for true infrastructure. That'd be about $700 billion. That would be more than enough. That that should be the Republican conference position. I, I can't tell you how frustrated I am that it's not. Uh, what are you seeing uh, at the border? We've got, uh, I think there was something like 188,829 illegal immigrants stopped in June. We're seeing crossings at a 2021-year 20, high, 450% increase from last year. Uh, what, are your, what do you see, and, and what are your concerns with all that? Well, Lisa, it's, it's what we don't see that is most concerning. So we see the numbers. They apparently, because we don't have video to go along with it or not much of it other than you know what you know 18 of us we went down there and we took pictures of the Donna facility uh, but if you don't have a video you, apparently you don't have a crisis here in America so the, the Biden administration has gotten very efficient at processing and dispersing and keeping the press at bay of course the press isn't particularly uh, uh, inquisitive either but what you're not seeing is the depredations of the human that the human traffickers are imposing on the migrants, you know, the rapes, the involuntary servitude, the beatings, the, the kidnappings, uh, and calling for more ransom. So it's, it's, so it's not just the human traffickers get the, you know, six to ten thousand dollar trafficking fee. They also, if, if there's somebody with any kind of means, with people left in Central America, I mean, they'll kidnap them, they'll beat them, they'll videotape the beatings, and then you know, extract more ransom extortion pay out of, out of uh, their relatives that are still in Central America. So we don't see that. We don't see the, the gotaways that are, that are unknown. You know, we don't see all the additional drugs flowing in this country. We don't, we don't see the gang members. You know, I, I raised this issue last week that you know, when you hear unaccompanied children, I mean, don't we all think of little two- and three-year-olds? 
70% of unaccompanied children are 15 or older, and they're male. So that's exactly who the drug traffickers use to traffic their drugs, because if a minor gets caught, they don't get prosecuted. You know, they, they, don't, they don't spend a hard time in jail because they're, they're minors. And so we, we don't see that. You know, we don't see the, the, the women who get put into the sex trade and, and they can't escape it. Uh, we don't see that. And, and it's exactly what Biden and, and Harris are, are counting on, the fact that uh, we, we can't see it, the press won't report it, and so the, the full extent of this crisis, as bad as 6,000 people a day, that's what we're, we're talking about, 6,000 people a day being apprehended. And when they end Title 42, those, all those 6,000 people, virtually all of them will be dispersed into all corners of America. And the federal government won't tell the states, they won't tell the cities, they'll just show up. And if you've got unaccompanied children that are gang members, uh, again, gangs, it's just all under the radar, right? But the murders uh, happening within our, our inner cities, uh, it's out of control. Do you think there are enough Republicans to stand up against any sort of amnesty bill? I, I, that's, I, that's kind of a hypothetical. It's hard to answer. You know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm one person that, that would like to take care of the DACA children. It's not, it's not your fault when you're two years old and you get brought over by your parents. That, that's, to a certain extent, that's our fault that we've had open borders and we, we've enticed them to come into this country. But you can't even begin to address that until you secure the border. And that's what's sort of pressing about what Biden did is we were so close to taking the first step in, in really trying to solve our immigration issue here is you got to first secure the border. And so we had the flow of unaccompanied children and family units pretty well stopped. And we were in the final stages of building a wall that would have been pretty darn effective. And Biden blew that all up. So here we are back to square zero. We have a completely out of control, nothing ever like this before in terms of uh, an illegal flow. It's out of control. And that's the first thing you need to do if you want to address the DACA kids, if you want to stand up a, a, a functioning legal immigration system. We need legal immigrants. We just do. I mean, we, we need an increased labor force, which we don't have. It's going to be a real hamper to our economic growth, the fact that we don't have enough labor in this country. But see, I, I got to disagree with you on DACA because, you know, as you just said, we have teenagers coming over uh, age 15 and older. And then and how do you identify at what age someone entered in the country? Oh, listen, I, I'm not saying there aren't problems. It, it's, a, it's, it's not an easy thing where you just do it. OK, it's a very difficult, complex situation. OK, but, you know, you also have to recognize the fact that you've got. And, no, no, you know, the, the MIT. Yale study said is somewhere between, I think they said between 16 and 30 million or 29 million people in this country, so they pegged it about 22, which is at least double what you always hear out of Rand. We, we have a huge problem of, of people uh, here without documentation in this country uh, illegally that I would suggest needs to be addressed. But again, you can't address it until you actually fix the asylum laws so they can't be exploited and we actually have a secure border. And we are so far from that right now. Um, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just a shame. Yeah, see, I, I just don't think, I think any amnesty leads to increased problems that we've continued to see. So I, I'm against it all personally. But one last question before we go, and, and I appreciate all the time you've spent with me today. Will the filibuster last until the midterms? Well, that totally depends on Kirsten Sinema and, and Joe Manchin. Um, I, I pray for their health and their integrity to honor the promise they've made that they're going to honor the filibuster. You know, there, I can't remember the exact number, some like 35 Democrat senators that, that joined Susan Collins while we were in, in control, guarantee, you know, pledging not to blow up the filibuster. Uh, you can see, see that when they sign their name, the paper is really not worth anything. Um, so, you know, personally, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin are the two most powerful senators right now. I don't know why they'd want to give that up. But they're going to come under tremendous pressure. So um, I hope so. I mean, if, if we if we lose the filibuster, it's it's bad, really awful. Senator, I appreciate you joining the show and I, I commend you for your fight for the truth. I, I know sometimes it's lonely going it alone when so many engage in group think. So I, I admire your truth telling and your fight. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for making so much time for me. I really appreciate you joining the truth with Lisa Booth. 
I appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. Thanks, Senator Ron Johnson, again, for a fascinating interview and more importantly, for being a truth teller. And I want to thank you guys at home so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us at five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at Lisa Marie Booth. And I want to give a special thanks to our team, producer John Cassio, writer Aaron Kliegman, researcher Isabel McMahon, and our executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 network and team. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.